Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and welcome to Cause Talk Radio. Of course, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. How's it going? All right? It's going okay, get- except I'm a little embarrassed today because I'm I'm the one wearing my computer on my head today. You know how we joke around with people about doing that? Because I forgot my headset. I so, know. I know, I, but you sound great. I sound like I'm in a can. No, you sound really good. I mean, you never have any trouble. I mean, it just must be where you live. Like the pure reception <laughs> you got those, those farmlands wherever you are. You're, so, west, you're yeah. so deluded about what lies that's, west of the Mississippi River. Josh. That's right. West of west of 128 in Boston. I have no clue. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, there be dragons, right? Like the, the map of uh, a Massachusetts person says. Um, we have a great guest today. Uh, someone I really enjoy following on Twitter and reading about, Kate Olson, who is the Director of Partnerships at Network for Good. Hi, Kate. Hi, it's so great to be on Cause Talk Radio. I'm really excited that you and Megan invited me to join. No problem. We'll send you an invoice. <laughs> uh-huh. we're, we're just a nonprofit. I don't know if we have oh, yeah. <laughs> Good answer, Kate. Good answer. I, I've heard that one before. Only about a, it's only funny the first 500 times, right? You know, get up, get up. So, but Kate, thanks a lot for coming on today and, um, network for good. I mean, I'm always reading stuff from you folks. I mean, you folks, I should say to our audience too, um, network for good ran a, a tweet up yesterday on cause marketing, which was a lot of fun. It was really interesting. I learned a lot. I learned about some patriotic campaigns, which was the theme of yesterday's tweet up. I learned about some new campaigns. So that was a lot of fun. And you said, uh, before the show, Kate, that you will be doing more of those. Yes, it was really exciting. It was our first one, and we have kind of claimed the hashtag pound C4G chat, and we're planning to schedule them monthly on different topics related to cause marketing and also corporate philanthropy and and things that are related to, to causes and how companies are doing good. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's one of the great things about using Twitter, too, is um, using Twitter search, you can just put in the hashtag. And you can yeah. uh, bring up yesterday's conversation, you know. So, and if people have any trouble, they have any questions about how to use hashtags, you can just tweet Megan Strand and she'll give you all the information <laughs> and get you through the whole process. I'm glad to know my I, role. I heard Megan's a walking encyclopedia of Twitter hashtags. Yes. So you should definitely reach out. <laughs> this is all news to me, folks. So I'm going to have to get up to speed here. So, Kate, tell us, uh, before, we want to talk about your report on five trends in cost marketing, but first, tell our audience a little bit about Network for Good and what you folks are all about. Sure, happy to. Uh, Network for Good is a nonprofit disguised as a technology company. Uh, oh. We were founded by AOL, Yahoo, and Cisco, actually in the wake of 9-11, to make mm-hmm. it easier to get resources to nonprofits leveraging technology. And our mission is really to unleash generosity and help companies and nonprofits do good online and advance the causes that they care about. And so we have solutions for nonprofits and tons of free training on all the latest trends in marketing and and fundraising to help nonprofits be more effective. And then we also have a corporate partnerships team where we help companies and startups and, you know, mobile app developers integrate donations and giving into compelling things that they're doing and leverage technology to, to do good. Wow, that's great. That's a perfect elevator pitch, Kate. Good job. Good job, Kate. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, and, I, and I'm as a director of partnerships, I sit on the corporate side of what we do and get to work with some really amazing companies like Yahoo and Capital One and Causes.com and CrowdRise to, you know, think about new ways to be innovative and do good through technology. Great. And That's and great. you have just produced a new white paper that Joe alluded to 
And I, I think one of the things I liked about this white paper is that you kind of classify different types of campaigns, which is always a challenge in our industry. You've come up with a couple of new terms that I haven't heard before, which are fantastic. So I wonder if you could maybe walk us through some of these trends that you've come up with in cause marketing and maybe give us an overview and an example of each one, because it seems like that's how the white paper is organized. Certainly. I'm so glad you asked me to come on and talk about this, uh, because being in the cause marketing space, and I, I know you two are very close to this topic, you see a lot of companies doing some really creative things these days. And so I thought it would be worthwhile to catalog them and come up with what are the themes that we're seeing in cause marketing and how are companies you know, connecting with their consumers in new ways. Mm -hmm. And the impetus for the guide was really these trends in digital engagement that we're seeing. You know, it's so easy to filter uh, out all the noise that's out there. It's so easy to only pay attention to what you want to these days through Twitter and online. And, you know, you follow the people you care about and you don't necessarily hear all the big mass marketing messages that we used to. And so as, yeah, and as marketers, it's really hard to get in touch with consumers and really create that meaningful relationship. Mm -hmm. And cause marketing is such a powerful way to do that. And so that's the impetus of the guide is to really showcase how companies are connecting in authentic and meaningful ways with their customers Mm -hmm. through cause. Um, And so it highlights five trends. The trends are crowdsourced philanthropy, digital action campaigns, issue awareness campaigns, cause affinity platform, and social enterprise spin-off. Mm-hmm. And I'd be happy to go through each one, and, and we can chat about each one. Uh, as we Yeah, go. that would be good. Let's start with the crowdsource philanthropy. Great. This is the one that most people are probably familiar with. If you've seen the splash of programs like Chase Community Giving and, and all mm-hmm. the Facebook-oriented uh, campaigns that we've seen lately. But essentially, it gives uh, everyday people a glimpse into corporate philanthropy by letting us take part in how companies allocate their corporate grants. And so you see lots of these where, you know, millions of dollars are at stake and uh, nonprofits are competing to get the most votes or to get the most attention online to see if they can get a piece of those grant dollars. Um, I really do like the Chase Community Giving Program. I think it's really effective for a couple reasons because it it creates kind of a special members-only opportunity for the customers by letting them be the ones who get to nominate the charities. But mm-hmm. then anyone is welcome to become a Facebook fan and participate in the voting. Um, mm-hmm. So it's reinforcing uh, the Chase brand, but it's also a very inviting and welcoming campaign, uh, letting you know over 3.5 million fans help allocate over $20 million in the last five years. And, you know, Kate, that seems what's really important, too, with these crowd-based uh, philanthropy, too, is that the the decision is in the consumer. And more and more, I think, the consumer is saying, we want the decision about where the money goes. And in many instances, too, I think they're driving those dollars back locally. Yes. I think that's a key component, Joe. You nailed it, is that people can really support things that are meaningful to them in their own communities. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a big kind of brand-named headline nonprofits that everyone's heard of. But it's real dollars making a real difference in the lives of people that the customers might actually know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think one of the great things about these campaigns from the brand perspective as well is that especially when these live on Facebook or actually anywhere online, they're driving so much traffic back to their own properties because they're asking people to vote and asking people to monitor. And I mean, it really just does have that nice when it's successful, of course, it does have that nice iterative effect so that people continue to come back versus just doing a, a, a one one click wonder. 
Exactly. And I love that some of them have some real-world applications as well, um, where they're following up with the nonprofits and taking pictures of playgrounds being built in the community or following a nonprofit that won a car, for example, in Toyota's 100 Cars for Good and mm-hmm. seeing how they're using the car to further their mission. And, and so there's wonderful stories that come out of the real-world application of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In the interest of time, let's move on to number two, digital action campaigns. Sure. Digital action campaigns are very interesting because it's a way for people to take a small, discrete action online that can result in kind of a cumulative effect. So what I mean by that is, you know, it's really easy for me to click like on a Facebook page or spend two minutes to watch a video, but those actions can often unlock, you know, a dollar or two dollars to a nonprofit that's participating in the campaign. Um, I think AT&T and Causes.com have done a great job with this model. They created the Connect for Good platform, which is basically an area on Causes.com where AT&T showcases all of the different programs that they care about in the community. And then Mm -hmm. they invite their Facebook fans to take these small actions to unlock donations that AT&T is making. For example, to the Nature Conservancy, if you watch a two-minute video on kind of the plight of a specific uh, environmental uh, problem or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Um, so- that particular platform, Kate, that you're referring to the AT&T and causes is interesting in that, it again, it gets people coming back to a platform because I think one of the biggest criticisms and probably one of the biggest shortcomings of these types of campaigns is exactly what I was referring to earlier, that one-click wonder. You know, who cares if you come and click like once if anything shows up in your newsfeed from that, if you're on Facebook from that brand again, you, you may either ignore it or hide it. I mean, a lot of these things are just, I don't care. I'm just going to do it quickly. There's no engagement there. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, one of the benefits of those that AT&T and causes. Have you seen other examples of ways that, that brands are doing this effectively without that, that risk? Yeah, no, I think you you nailed it with what AT&T and Causes have done in that, you know, you first came and you signed a pledge not to text and drive, and then you come back and you watch a video, and it's benefiting an environmental organization. And then, you know, it, it's rotating what people care about, so it appeals to more people, which I think is really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think the flip side of that are these hallmark kind of annual campaigns, like the Macy's Believe campaign, where mm-hmm. you can write a letter to Santa and deposit it in a Macy's store, um, and they make a donation to Make-A-Wish where you look forward to it every holiday season and it becomes Mm -hmm. a hallmark of their marketing in the holidays. And so I think there's different ways that you can either be changing what you're talking about all the time and keeping it fresh and relevant, or you can really blow it out of the park and and make it um, this big kind of hallmark campaign that's wrapped into all of your, your marketing in a particular time of the year. Yeah. And I think what's really important about those campaigns, too, is some people look at those campaigns, Kate, and they say, well, that's just the money giving. That's just a company giving a nonprofit money, just kind of like in you know the same way as sponsorship. But it's really different because the consumer, the shopper is driving the engagement. And of course, we know a lot of the reasons that these companies get into these type of campaigns is that when they do these action triggered campaigns, consumers generally get more engaged and they buy more too. That's why we see so many of these campaigns in October with pink products and pink ribbons, etc. Exactly. Let's move on to number three, issue awareness campaigns. Issue awareness campaigns, uh, I've seen quite a few pop up lately. And this is when a company has an 
issue or a social problem that they really identify with or they think that they could make a difference in solving. They're not necessarily all about giving and donations. They're more about creating awareness and kind of a groundswell of activity and action around a specific topic. Yeah. And I know, Joe, one that we were talking about recently is Hagen dass Help the Honeybees platform. I love that I video. Love. Yeah. Come on, I love do the that rap, video. Joe. Do the rap. <laughs> <laughs> Break it down, DJ Nectar. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really fun way to appeal to consumers. And obviously, honey is a key component in Haagen-Dazs ice cream since they're all yeah. natural and they use all the freshest ingredients. So the plight of the honeybees are very important to the brand. But then bees are fun and warm and fuzzy and, you know, you get to have a bumblebee as a mascot for this great campaign that has a lot of ways that people can take digital action. They can learn about colony collapse. They can watch a video. They can donate for research. They can plant a garden. There's so many ways that you can be involved that it really appeals to a broad age range and a broad um, kind of type of consumer profile. You know, Kate, another program that I really liked, I'm sorry, Megan, but um, one of the programs I really liked uh, was the, I don't know if you heard about the Brazilian soccer team that actually is doing something for the Red Cross in that region. And they're basically wearing shorts that get more red as people donate more blood to the uh, the Red Cross campaign in Brazil. What? And, you know, so, it, yeah, so, it, well, you know, I mean, they're not using blood to <laughs> make the shirts naked. But, but, you know, the whole idea is that, like, these shirts, which are generally blue, I guess, are slowly turning red as they get closer and closer to their goal, you know? So, I mean, here's something like, you know, you're a soccer fan, you're watching what's happening on the field, right? I mean, you know, it's something that's very visible and people can see, uh, you know, so I love campaigns like that. That's really cool. I, one of the most compelling uh, features of digital engagement is all the concept of social proof. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, demonstrating the impact you're making, showing who cares about this, you know, yep. not just celebrities, but, you know, how many Facebook fans do you have? That kind of groundswell of a lot of people care about this. And then any way you can visually represent that impact, like the colored T-shirts or donation thermometer or whatever it is, it just really brings home the, the mission and what you're trying to achieve together through these campaigns. Yeah, I think the thing with those types of platforms is that the ones that really do a good job, your examples that you have here, Starbucks and Haagen-Dazs, GE, you know, it it almost seems to me like they have to go really big in order to do this type of campaign. At Cause Marketing Forum, we call it message-focused campaigns. That's kind of what's stuck in my head. Because it almost seems like if it's too small of a, oh, here's some information about a nonprofit, then it's inauthentic. Do you find that with clients as well, that they kind of have to make an almost bigger splash when, when there isn't a donation? Yeah, um, that's a great question. One, And I know, Joe, we've talked about this before, the, the local-based cause marketing and how there's yep. such a need for things to get on a smaller scale and really yep. be relevant yep. on the community level. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you have any great examples. Most of the brands that we work with at Network for Good tend to be these Fortune 500 larger brands who are really trying to make a platform um, that speaks across the whole country. Um, Mm -hmm. But I definitely see ways that these types of platforms can be uh, translated to a local and really relevant personal level as well. And, you know, that's the thing, too, though, Kate, is 
we can learn so much, though, from even these bigger companies doing things, because in many instances, it's just a matter of scale. I mean, mm-hmm. even the stuff that Starbucks is involved in um, this summer with uh, getting America, you know, back on track and back to work. Um, you know, there was part of message promotion there at the end of June. Uh, Howard Schultz re- released a very public letter saying we need to do better as a country. And then, of course, they had a, a campaign that followed uh, in July, the Indivisible campaign. And, you know, they've been doing it since last October. But, you know, it's a great example of a brand that's taking a stand on an issue and making things happen at the register through cause marketing. So I love that extension of their values. And that's something that small companies can do, too. But they have to be committed to what they're doing and they have to know what to do when it comes to cause marketing. Well, and Megan, another great example also from Starbucks was the Vote, Give, Grow campaign they did earlier this year, which was a crowdsourced philanthropy campaign. But the way you participated was identifying with the region where you live. And so you Mm. were directing funds to nonprofits in the region Mm -hmm. that you live. So it's an example of a national platform that's being applied at the local level. Yeah. Let's move on to number four. And this one, Joe and I have to admit, we're a little bit confused about. So can you explain cause affinity platforms? Sure. Cause affinity platforms are really an extension of a branded product. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of companies, you know, they turn their tennis shoes pink in October to support breast cancer, or they'll, they'll show their, their, you know, affinity for a cause by doing something to a product. A cause affinity platform takes that a step further. It's not just about the product. It's really a whole platform around which you're showing your company's support of a particular cause. Mm-hmm. And so an example would be the Levi's Waterless campaign, where mm-hmm. they actually made an improvement in their supply chain to reduce the amount of water that they use in processing the waterless uh, line of jeans. Mm-hmm. And so that is more than just, you know, putting a label on jeans and saying, hey, these support water.org. They actually yep. made yep. a commitment in their process and how they manufacture their product. And then they use that in the advertising of the product. But then they created a cause marketing campaign with a nonprofit partner, water.org, mm-hmm. to educate people on the, the plight of, you know, people who don't have access to clean water. And hey, Kate, did. wasn't that the um, wasn't that the campaign too that they were telling people not to wash their jeans? Yes, and so you get <laughs> on the tag inside the jeans instead of saying you know wash cold, warm, dry, iron yeah, as right. needed. Yeah, it right. says yeah, right. wash cold, line dry, and you know wash on super saver instead of regular. Um, yeah. So they're trying to educate their consumers on their purchases, but also on this issue that affects so many people around the world. And then partnering with a nonprofit to actually make a difference in solving the problem. That was probably easy for all your friends, right, Megan? Not to wash their jeans and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, baby. End up in the whole crunchy area there of the country. <laughs> we, we, share, we share jeans up here, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love your I love your suggestion. Your because um, each of the way the white paper is organized is you you have an explanation and then common campaign elements and then examples and then tips for success. And this is the one that I love. And it's um, for an example like the Levi's Waterless campaign. And the number five says leverage your cause marketing campaign to showcase your sustainability investments, often invisible to the outsider just as Levi's does with Waterless. So I I just love that suggestion because so many people are doing such great things around sustainability and they're investing a lot of time and resources into really phenomenal innovations and improvements. And the consumer knows very, very little about it. And they're not going to read a sustainability report 
So I really love these consumer facing campaigns that, that do showcase that. So fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. And there's so many great stories that accompany these changes that companies are making, but they think in terms of their annual report, they don't think in terms of biting them down into little pieces that you can um, display in, in blogs and in commercials and things like that. I actually think SC Johnson Wax is doing a great job of that. Um, they manufacture products like Windex mm-hmm. and they've had a whole line of commercials that talk about the green roof on their factory and their goal to have, you know, a zero carbon footprint in their manufacturing processes. And they've actually added that to their uh, consumer marketing platform. So it's not just about how great Windex is to clean your windows. It's about how responsible the company is and how they manufacture the product. Well, and when you do a cause marketing initiative, even beyond a commercial, then it kind of helps the consumer feel like they're pitching into an overall corporate effort. And it's kind of, I don't know, to me, that makes a lot more sense. Yes, advertising is fantastic and it's important to tell people what you're doing. But when you have that engagement, that involvement piece, I I can only imagine that just ups your brand loyalty when consumers feel like they're playing a role. It's so true. Yeah. All right. Number five, social enterprise spinoffs. I I have to admit, this one's my favorite because I think I'm secretly a social entrepreneur at heart. <laughs> um, but I love these examples of companies that are creating social enterprises. Usually, they're standalone and they you know operate outside of the traditional corporate structures. They're not just a secret business unit that's trying out something. They've actually branded them and spun them off as their own thing. Um, and these are businesses that oftentimes have a for-profit mission um, along with a nonprofit mission. Uh, but really it's the social mission that, that leads and it's what the brand is all about. And so, uh, two examples that I love, um, one is Panera Bread Foundation created the Panera Cares Community Cafe. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. You go in and it's like any other Panera store, but there's no stated prices on the menu. Right. There's just suggested right. donation amounts. And so everyone can pay what they can. And it's a way for the community to really feel like, Hey, I want to give back. So I'm going to pay $15 for my salad and, Oh, hey, I don't really have any money. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, pay a dollar for my salad today. And so it's a great equalizer where everyone can have the Panera brand experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more accessible to everyone in the community. And, and then you know, the other the, one, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you know, one of the things I like about those models, okay, is the fact that, you know, you really have businesses that have already been successful in businesses. And then they're taking that next step of, you know, developing some type of nonprofit model from that, which I think makes a lot of sense because I think cause businesses that lead with the nonprofit piece, it's tough to grow. Exactly. Yeah, it can be. Um, the other brand I really like is Nordstrom with its treasure and bond mm-hmm. store in New York. And I think it's great because when you look at the treasure and bond branding, you don't see Nordstrom anywhere. And it's basically a boutique store, which sells really interesting uh, items. And everything after the cost of the product is donated to nonprofits. And mm-hmm. they rotate the charity partners, and they're all local to New York. And so it's really a community helping a community model. Um, and I think it was very daring of Nordstrom to create it as its own standalone brand and not have the benefit of, you know, Nordstrom's treasure and bond store. Uh, yeah, so I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing how that takes off. Do you well, think you we're going to... Oh, sorry, Joe. No, no, go ahead, Megan. I was just going to ask, Kate, do you think we're going to see... Will there ever be a time where, let's take a Nordstrom, for example would do one of these social enterprise spinoffs within their own store. So, you know, would a Nordstrom ever create 
a Tom shoes brand, you know, kind of a, a retail brand to sell within their own stores it, under this model. Can you see that happening? I can't see that happening. Actually, Skechers did that. They created a line of shoes that are almost exactly like Tom's shoes. Hmm. They called them, I can't remember what they called them, but it was also a four-letter name on the back. It was like Bob's shoes. I was going to say, wasn't there exactly. a Bob's? Yeah. I think it was Bob's. Yeah. Um, and it was a one-for-one -one model. And I don't know how they went. Um, I thought it was a little bit of a ripoff of the Tom's <laughs> brand. Right, right. Um, but you're starting to see the bigger, more established retail companies think about that. And so I, I don't think we're too far off from maybe seeing a Tom's boutique in an Nordstrom for sure, right. whether or not the, the brand will create its own one for one or, or charity minded. Well, and Macy's does that when they do their Go Red campaign every year, they have the little red dress and they actually sell, I can't remember the brand, but one of their brands does an actual red dress for the, the Go Red for Women, where they donate a portion of, of the, the proceeds to um their nonprofit partners. So, you know, I, I think it's an interesting model for sure. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more and more of these types of spinoffs, but I'm, I'm with you. I like them. I think they're cool. Yeah. Excellent. Wow, well, fantastic. I, I think we've actually come to the end of our hour. We did a good yeah. job running through yeah. five trends, you guys. Good job. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, Kate, if, if people would like to find more out about you or network for good, where can they find you online? Sure. You can find us at www.networkforgood.org backslash partner. And all the information about what we do and who we are is there. And you can find the guide to download. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Kate number four good, Kate for good. And I'd be happy to respond. Fantastic. And Joe, where can people find you online? Well, of course they can find me on my blog, selfishgiving.com. But for, you know, the up-to-the-moment communications, they can visit me on Twitter at Joe Waters. And what about you, Megan? You can find me personally on Twitter at Megan Strand. I also tweet for Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. And I blog for Cause Marketing Forum almost daily at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio and all the other RashPixel.tv shows on iTunes. I do want to make a little plug for our new player, which is called SoundCloud. So if you're listening to this show on Joe's blog or on Cause Marketing Forum blog, you can actually leave a comment anywhere in the episode, which I think is a really cool technology. So do check that out. Leave a comment somewhere in the episode after one so of Joe's bad like, jokes. Wow, Joe, you have a really neat accent. That's exactly correct. Exactly. So exactly. I encourage you to Thank do you that. Today. Joe, are you wearing a Red Sox cap as you're That's right. <laughs> <laughs> always, Kate, always. So on behalf of Joe and myself and Kate, thank you all for joining us today for Cause Talk Radio. And we'll be back soon. 